Welcome to McChesney Unchained, a new show on the BSN Denver Podcast Network. Before we jump into it, we want you to know that this is a little different than our other shows. Matt McChesney is going to give you an uncensored take on what's going on in the football world, and if you have kids around, you may want to listen to this at another time. McChesney's opinions do not represent those of BSN Denver, but they are real, and they come from a CU legend who spent six years battling in the NFL trenches. Now, sit back and enjoy the show. Episode number 14. 14 episodes in. Shit. This is Man Chain coming to you from 6-0 Studios at 6-0 Strength and Fitness. The lab, as we call it. Been in here since 4 a.m. grinding with the Dungeon family. Check out uh, 6-0 Strength at 6-0Strength.com. Um, the bridge is real. Uh, we can help you get to the next level if that's your goal. Uh, we're putting guys in left and right. There are a ton of guys on recruiting trips all around the country. Again, this weekend, um, even if... You're a guy that decides to quit after you get offered. Uh, the bridge is still real for you, and it's something that we can uh, help everybody with. So check it out at 6 This is McChesney Unchained on the BSN Denver Podcast Network, as usual. Remember that you can download and subscribe to the show on iTunes. Uh, we appreciate everybody that does. Um, remember, you can follow us at BSN Unchained on Twitter and at 6 Strength on Twitter and Instagram. we got a lot to talk about today, uh, and it's not going to be a very good show um, from a positivity standpoint because there's nothing to be positive about on the front range right now. Um, we're going to start with the NFL as a whole. Uh, as everybody knows, NeuroXPF, NeuroXPF.com brings you the NFL wrap every week. Uh, NeuroXPF is an incredible CBD-based recovery product. Uh, it's helped me immensely, and it continues to. We sell it here on the shelf at 6-0. If you need to uh, buy it online, go to NeuroXPF.com and use the promo code 6015, and it'll get you a 15% discount. We are the only storefront in Colorado that sells it, so I highly encourage everybody uh, to come down here and try it out. It's an incredible product with no THC in it, so get educated. That's NeuroXPF.com. Big thanks to Kyle Turley and all he does. All right, so we're going to wrap up the NFL quick before we get into the Broncos and the Chiefs and whatever. However you feel about that, there's a lot of different opinions, and we will definitely dive into them all. The Broncos' next opponent, the Texans, mopped up the Dolphins 42-23 Thursday night. Deshaun Watson threw five touchdown passes. They have won five in a row, and they look pretty good. We're going to preview them on Friday. Uh, Eagles beat the Jags in London um, 24-18. I watched this whole game on Sunday morning. Uh, you know, Philly hits 4-4. Four four. They're back to 500. I think they'll be fine. Jacksonville's in trouble. Uh, not only is Blake Bortles their quarterback, but, you know, the night before the game, before, the night fucking before, all right, you've got your entire secondary for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Out at some nightclub in England. Like, you've been there all week. You can't take a night off from getting hammered. And not only that, but you spend the whole night in jail because you get arrested for walking out on your bill and you're multimillionaires. I mean, I understand that you're smug, but it's a $60,000 bill. Just pay your fucking bill and leave. You know, it's uh, there's something about this generation of athlete and 
man, it's not everybody, but there's a lot of smugness and just arrogance and, you know, guys that think they don't have to play by the rules and they don't have to put in work. And, you know, I know Jalen Ramsey wasn't at the party. Barry Church and a couple other guys were. But Jalen has that attitude in the room where you can't say shit to him, but he can say whatever he wants. And that's not usually productive. So Jacksonville's in trouble. Uh, I think that they're fucked, to be completely honest with you. Houston's going to win that division, as I predicted at the beginning of the year. Uh, The Panthers. Beat the Ravens 36-21. Cam Newton looked really good. Um, there's a lot of folks out there saying that North Turner is exactly what Cam needed. I, I'm okay. I'm not saying he is, and I'm not saying he's not yet. All right. The the Panthers are a good football team. They're going to be a playoff team, in my opinion. This the NFC South is loaded. Baltimore's four and four. All right. So at four games they look really dominant, and for four games they look pretty shitty. So they're a five hundred football team. That's usually how five hundred football teams operate. Their defense is ranked first in the in the NFL, but again they have Joe Flacco, and he's so fifty fifty it's ridiculous. So you're either going to get a guy who can take you to the Super Bowl and win it, or you're going to get a guy that's totally going to shit all over himself, and your offense is going to look anemic. They've gotten it four times good, Joe, and four times bad, Joe. The defense plays pretty well consistently. Uh, I know they gave up 36 points in this game, but a lot of that was because of the offense and the turnovers and penalties and whatnot. Uh, the Panthers and Cam Newton and North Turner going full circle here. As long as Norv and Cam don't try to change each other too much, I think it'll continue to work. It, it, you know, In reality, Cam is just an absolute animal, so... If they allow Cam to be Cam, and, you know, I was listening to the broadcast. They were talking about how Christian McCaffrey, on top of Cam Newton and all the all the weapons they have there, but Christian finally, you know, is understanding football. He's a year in. He understands what he's looking at and the way it goes and how it's working, and he has just taken off. And, honestly, I think C-Mac might be the best skill in the NFL here in a year or two. He's pretty damn unstoppable when, when they get him the ball consistently. So Carolina gets a big win. Baltimore looks eh. Average. Uh, the Steelers and the Browns. Steelers mop the Browns 33-18, and Hugh Jackson gets canned afterwards. Uh, the Steelers are 4-2-1. Hopefully they figured it out because they're too talented to be this shitty. Uh, Le'Veon Bell, uh, you know, your time in Pittsburgh's done, bro. James Connors is running back there now, and I, I don't really think Le'Veon should come back and get his job if he does come back. Uh, and if I were him, I would just sit out and, you know, go get paid next year and move on in your life. Um James Connors handled it right, and he's done a good job of just being consistent and showing up, going to work, and being really, really productive. So the 30's been great for Pittsburgh. They look like they're figuring it out on defense, but again, they're playing Cleveland. So I, I don't know. Cleveland's been competitive this year, and they've been a lot better, but this looked like an opportunity to fire Hugh Jackson, something they were looking for, and they did. Three, 36, and one in two years ain't going to get it done. Um, in three years. Three years? Something like that. I don't know, but it's bad. Uh does he deserve to get fired? I don't know. I don't know if anybody deserves to get fired, but he did. John Dorsey's in, in charge of that team. Todd Haley also got canned. Dorsey's the GM. Um, Cleveland, you know, they'd be smart to try and find a really, really, really experienced or really, really young, spry uh, offensive mind. I don't really care about the experience part. I, I've heard people talk about Lincoln Riley going to Cleveland to work with Baker again. Uh, why in the Sam hell would you ever leave Oklahoma unless you've already worked there for 15 years like Stoops did? Just stay at Oklahoma, Lincoln, and be an incredibly good college coach. Uh, the, the NFL the NFL is just going to chew you up and spit you out eventually. It means not for long. Uh, Cleveland, you know, firing their OC and their head coach in the middle of Baker Mayfield's development as a rookie, that's why they're Cleveland. They could have easily just 
you know, kept somebody on the offensive staff around. They're firing the play caller and the guy that comes up with everything, Hugh Jackson and Todd Haley. So now Baker Mayfield is going to be working with totally new people. Now, it might be a good thing, but it also could hurt the kid. Now you're on your first head coaching change and your first OC change in the middle of this first year, not even at the end. So you hear it all the time. Guys talk about, well, I've had different OC and a different head coach every year, and it's hard to learn and stay consistent. I wonder what it's going to be like when you're switching them every half year. So Cleveland, you know, you are what you are. There's no no doubt that you're still the turds, but you are getting better. Um, let's see here. The Bengals and the Bucks had a good 137-34. I'm only talking about this because of the Jameis Winston thing. I, I, I said this when he came back from his suspension for not being able to keep his hands to himself and being a liar, um, that they shouldn't go back to him. And they shouldn't have. But at the same time, this is essentially telling me Dirk Cutter benching Winston here and going with Fitzmagic. Number one, they should have never started Jameis unless they knew this was going to happen and they were just looking for an opportunity for him to screw it up so they could get rid of him, which could easily be happening right now. Um, I think that Cutter and... Winston are gone at the end of the year. The only reason Dirk got that job is because he was supposed to be the guy that can develop Jameis, and they had a great relationship, and now Jameis is the backup. You don't go back to him here after with Fitzpatrick. Fitzpatrick is now the starter for the second time. You don't just go back to Jameis. Jameis threw four picks and looked shitty. They should have won that game. I kind of feel for Ryan Jensen, although he got paid out the ass. I can't feel too bad for him. Uh, part of the Dungeon family in here, the highest-paid center in football, Mr. Ryan Jensen from CSU Pueblo because he's got to constantly be in this flux from quarterback to quarterback. They're not a terrible team. They could be pretty good offensively, and it could carry them to a 9-7, 10-6 record if they can figure out the quarterback position. So we'll see what happens there. But uh, Jameis' time in Tampa is up, and I guess my question to Bronco Country is, would you take Jameis Winston? Would you take Jameis Winston next year? Would you take a recycled first overall pick and see if they can – See if they can kind of reform him and get him headed in the right direction here. Uh, give me your answer to BSN Unchained on Twitter. Um, I, I personally wouldn't. I think Jameis is a total fuck-up mentally and not a good leader. And I, when he speaks, it makes me makes my skin crawl, especially in a capacity where he's supposed to be leading men. I really hope he doesn't end up here, but you never know. He is number one overall pick, and he's got some talent physically. He's just a mental cripple. Okay, so moving forward. Uh, let's see. Bears beat the Jets 24-10. They're first in the north. They looked pretty good doing it. Trubisky's uh, Halloween costume of Mike, Mike Dicker was incredible. Keep it up, Trubiscuits. And the last one we'll talk about, the Washington went to the Meadowlands or to MetLife and beat the Giants 2013. I'm... You know, I could really give a shit about the game. I'm really impressed with all day AP. You know, I, I played him in Adrian Peterson when he was a freshman in college, and I was a senior in the Big 12 title game, and they beat the shit out of us. And I remember I was playing. It was the first quarter. It was the first time they ran power at us, and Davin Joseph and Jamal Brown were the guard and tackle, both first-rounders, and they double-teamed me, and I shed Davin, and Jamal went second level, and all I could get out was my left arm. And when I stuck my left arm out, AP's thigh hit my my bicep and dislocated my left elbow on top of my like on, on top of my bicep I, it was disgusting i ran off the field and i was like steve help our trainer and he said look at me looked at me i looked him in the face he grabbed my wrist and slammed my elbow back into place i tried to play the rest of the game it didn't work out too well um that guy is such a freak and for him to go off like he did on sunday and at metlife when everyone and their mother has written this guy off this year and now he's leading the league in rushing 
I mean, AP looks like he's real motivated to tell everybody that, you know, the aging running back thing is all bullshit. And you know what? It might be. I played with some really good backs that were old. Curtis Martin, Thomas Jones, uh, Buck Halter here in Denver. He was at the end of his road when I was here in Denver with him. You know, it's when I was in Miami, I played with Ricky Williams and Ronnie Brown. They were both, you know, Ricky was almost on 10 or 11 years. So, I played with some really good backs, and usually the more experienced ones are, are pretty good. So AP's killing it right now, and, you know, you can't really blame him for being as motivated as he is to beat everyone's ass. All right, uh, the Rams beat the Packers 29-27 in a really, really competitive game. They're the only undefeated in football 8-0. Uh, I love McVay and how positive he is. Young, spry coach that can relate with his players. Uh, the exact opposite of Jeff Fisher, you see what you get. Um, uh, putting a, a young developmental quarterback you're trying to grow and a young offense you're trying to grow with a defensive-minded head coach is ridiculous, and I think it, it's got to stop. The Rams made the right decision in hiring McVay. He's exactly what they needed on that offense. Now, this is a copycat league, and people are going to copy it. Green Bay is severely underachieving again. Uh, I would think that the rumblings for Mike McCarthy to get fired are pretty loud up in in Packer country just because of the amount of time he's been there and the average nature of their football team when they have the best player in football at the quarterback position over the last three or four years. Yes, Aaron Rodgers can take them where they need to go most of the time, but sometimes he needs some fucking help. And Tim Montgomery taking it out and getting hit and fumbling, that don't help him. The defense not being able to get off the field, that don't help him. Not having any consistency in their secondary and green bait, that doesn't help him. Not being able to rush the passer, that doesn't help him. So they got to figure out a way to maximize Aaron Rodgers. Green Bay is going to go you know, about a 30-year span where they get two Super Bowls out of Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers. That's pathetic. They should get six Super Bowls out of those two. So they got to find a better way to maximize A-Rod up in Green Bay. When you're looking at the Rams, yes, I think they're the best team in football. Yes, I think Aaron Donald and Sue and, you know, Brockers and Quinn up front, those guys are balling. Their defense is suspect from the D-line back, though. Their linebackers and their secondary, Marcus Peters is a risk taker. You know, they got good players, not great ones. When Tlaib comes back, if he comes back, that'll help them a ton. The Rams and the Saints, the next team we're going to talk about, the Saints ended up beating the Vikings 30-20 to in Minneapolis. That was a huge win. They're one-loss team. So the Rams and the Saints are the class of the NFC. Minnesota, Green Bay are fighting for that wild-card spot. Can they win the North and take it away from Chicago? Yes, of course they can. Chicago doesn't know how to win that division yet. Uh, the West, the Rams have the West. It's over. Uh, the Seahawks are fighting for a wild card. The Saints have got the South. I'm not going to say it's over, but Carolina's fighting for a wild card. Tampa Bay and Atlanta are out. Uh, if you look at you know, the rest of the NFC, the North is pretty competitive. All right. The West, not competitive. Uh, the East, the, the Washington Redskins are playing well, but are they going to be able to sustain that? I don't know. Can Dallas make a run? I don't know. Is Philly going to make a run off of four and four and a big win in London? Maybe we'll see. But you know, the, the NFL as a whole, uh, the weekend was full of the refs being what they are. And honestly, I had to walk away from games on Sunday. I had to walk away, and I didn't even watch last night because I'm so disgusted by the refs being so involved. And they're just throwing, especially the Bronco game, we'll talk about that here in a second, but all over the NFL on Sunday, it was constant flags for nothing. I mean, just very minimal things that shouldn't be called were being called, and it's it's really fucking with the integrity of the game. And honestly, it sh- the refs should not be part of it. They should just be there to make sure the guys don't kill each other. 
not call every single nitpick penalty. Every time somebody falls on the ground, it's not a hold. Every time somebody gets ran over, it's not a hold. Every time somebody gets touched or someone touches someone in, in pass protect or in pass coverage or trying to catch the ball, it's not offensive or defensive pass interference. I hate the penalties where they're like both guys are both guys are to blame. Well, then don't call the fucking penalty and let them play. It is what it is. All right, the refs are terrible. Just imagine how I'm going to talk about them when we talk about the Broncos. So that was your NFL wrap. Uh, the NeuroXPF.com brings you the NFL wrap every week um, on McChesney Unchained on the BSN Denver Podcast Network. Check it out at NeuroXPF.com. Use the promo code six zero fifteen, and it will give you a fifteen percent discount. And remember, we carry the product down here at six zero on the shelf. All right, so moving on. Uh, away from the NFL as a whole. The Denver Broncos went to Kansas City and lost 30-23. Um, sitting at 3-5, and five, it's not good. Things are not good. And Houston is a huge test this weekend. We will talk about them on Friday. They have a great front, a great quarterback, and they're rolling their 5-win team right now. They've won five in a row. I still think that Denver can turn this around with a win against Houston and go on their own little mini run, all right? But they've got to figure out a way. That Kansas City's lost. They have Houston, all right, and then Pittsburgh on this roll here, and they got a bye week. They've got to fi- figure out a way in their next four to go two and two. They got the Chargers in there too, I think. And if they do, then they can try and figure out the end of the season because they've got a run where they play the Browns and – the Raiders again, and they got the Niners. Those are all winnable games. But you've got to take care of some of these teams in the middle here that are pretty good in playoff teams. If you want to get to the playoffs, I can't believe I've been talking about that shit. If you want to get there, you got to beat these playoff teams in front of you. You got to go beat the Steelers. You got to beat the Chargers twice. You know, you, you can't lose games you're supposed to win. And that's really the problem. The Broncos are very rarely playing to their ability. And it's coaching, man. It's coaching, period. When you don't have enough guys on special teams for now, the what, the fourth week in a row on a different unit, now the field goal team doesn't have enough guys on the McManus miss. They only have 10 dudes. I mean, I understand that that doesn't matter if the kicker misses, but it, it sure is a fucking problem. It's, it's a problem from the top down. So I think personally it's time. It's time to make a move and move forward with your football team instead of de- delaying the inevitable. What, if they get blown out by Houston and fi- fall 3-6, three to s- three and six, or even if they lose to Houston, which everyone's going to pick them to lose because we're having a problem pass protecting, the refs are throwing holding penalties like fucking crazy, and Keenum's holding the ball for days, and Houston can pass rush like crazy. J.J. J. Watt and Clowney and Whitney Merciless and all them boys have got to be licking their chops looking at the way we pass protect and Garrett Bowles and everything he's struggling with. So when it comes down to it, players have to play, but coaches have got to coach, and it's the coaches now. This is the coaching problem. It's a, you know, it's a running a reverse on third and two when you've been gashing them for eight yards of carry. That's the second week in a fucking row I've seen a slip screen against Arizona when you're third and two, and then going to Kansas City and run a reverse on third and two. Run the ball north and south. Uh, it's it's the yes against Kansas City they committed to the run, but they would only commit to the run when it suited them. When they got across the fifty, all they would do is throw the ball. Keep running the football. Don't stop until they stop you. Don't stop yourself. That's what's killing me about the Broncos. No one's stopping them on the ground. They're stopping themselves, and the refs are. 
Look, man, the McGovern, the two McGovern holds were total horseshit. One of them, he was finishing the guy to the ground, and it's not my, it's not his fault the guy can't keep his feet. And the other one, he didn't even touch the fucking guy; he just fell over. The Max Garcia hold was bullshit. The Paris hold was bullshit. I mean, the, the Bulls hold was not. All right, he got a hat trick on one play. He gave up a sack, got a holding penalty, and I'm pretty sure they stripped the ball. Garrett's struggling, and it's this is a consistent struggle. Look, yes, McGovern's struggling too, okay? But he's a great run blocker. I will give him that. Billy Turner and Connor McGovern are killing people in the run game. Paradis is killing people in the run game. 189 yards rushing is awesome. That that offensive line is built to run the football and smash people in the mouth. And they're down two starters. Keep that in mind too. So uh, this is my issue. If you know you can't pass protect well enough to throw the ball as much as they do, why do you constantly put the team in bad positions by not maximizing who you are? Why Why do we have to conform to the, it's a throwing league, so we're going to throw? No, 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 no. It's a throwing league if you've got an elite quarterback. It's not a throwing league if you've got an average quarterback and a guy who can't catch in Demarius Thomas. Let's be real. He dropped the first throw of the game, which should have been a first down. Shouldn't have been putting on that drive. So the, the Broncos should be pissed off at themselves. They should have beaten Kansas City twice. Sorry, but that's a fact. Baltimore beat us. The Jets beat us, you know. Uh, Kansas City got by. They came back from 10, and then Denver blew an opportunity going up. They should have been up 10-3 instead of down 10-7. And who knows where that game goes from there. So I like the fact that they can run the football. The refs in the Broncos game were fucking terrible. I thought they were atrociously terrible. The Broncos are playing the refs and the Chiefs. The Chiefs are playing the Broncos and the refs. It shouldn't be like that. The NFL, the character and integrity of the NFL is compromised because the refs are so terrible. And some of these some of these plays that I see, the McGovern holds, the phantom hold especially, the second one, the Paradise hold was terrible. Um... Let's see here. What are some other ones? The offensive pass interference call on Sanders where he got that huge gainer. That's not offensive pass interference. That's the corner being shitty and having bad hips. That makes me feel that the refs are consistently put in position to determine the winner. And I'm a conspiracy theorist. So I personally think that you're going to see one of these refs get in trouble for throwing a game. And for being, you know, having some some reason why the why somebody with some shady intentions and a lot of money is behind them saying, hey, why don't you throw three or four holding penalties when they bust big runs, and we'll take them back and take them back and take them back, and then we'll make sure that we put it within the point spread. I don't know what the point spread was, but I bet you it was close to seven. Bet. So. The refs are what they are. When you go full circle here, though, the coaching things, okay? Number one, why in the Sam Hill are we not kicking the field goal right when we get into the red zone at the end of the game, saving our timeouts, and kicking the field goal immediately, immediately? Just get in there, kick the field goal, and get the ball back to them. You have two timeouts left. Instead, they try and maximize it by scoring a touchdown. They use their timeouts all but one, and they give the ball back to Kansas City where they don't have a chance to get it back, and they only have one timeout, so we can't stop it. Do we not understand math? I'm dumbfounded, dude. Like, I was, I, was, I was sitting in my house like, what are you doing? Kick the ball. Just kick the ball and you have all this time left. Let your defense go out and play. They've been doing pretty well. I haven't seen any other defense in the NFL make Kansas City go three and out more than Denver. So, you know, I just don't understand it. Number two, why in the same hell has Bradley Chubb not been playing defensive end the entire season? 
He needs to play nickel, five technique, or nine technique all the fucking time. I understand that we're an odd front concept, but that doesn't mean doesn't mean that you can't take Gostas, Wolf, or Pecco off the field and put Chubb, Wolf, Pecco, or Gostas inside, one, two of the three, and Vaughn. And there's your four defensive linemen. And now Chubb is always on the end of the line of scrimmage and never in pass coverage, which is not where we want him. I don't want Vaughn in pass coverage either. Now, can something positive come off of this? Absolutely. But only if you can find a way to beat Houston. There were a lot of good things that happened on Sunday in Kansas City. A lot of good things. But there are no more victories. And this like, oh, we did good enough and it's okay. That's some bullshit. And that's not the way the Broncos operate. It was never acceptable when I was there. We sucked. This is not acceptable now with a bunch of dudes that have rings. So there's got to be a change. And the only thing that they can do to spark this football team, and they're going to do it too late when the season's over, is fire the head coach. And I don't want him to get fired. My intention is not like, hey, let's fire fucking VJ and get it over with. No, I love VJ. I think he's a good coach. He's a leader of men. I loved him when I played for him at CU, and I think he can do a good job here with the Broncos. My problem is the lack of consistency when it comes down to nut crushing time. We're not making moves that look like we are trying to win. We're making moves that looks like we're trying not to lose. And that's not the kicking and screaming mantra that I think Mr. Ellie wants. That's not, that's not what he's looking for. So, once again, I don't think John Ellie needs to be fired. You're out of your fucking mind if you believe that. You know, the more I hear the, oh, well, Peyton Manning made a decision to come here. It had nothing to do with John Elway. That's horseshit. Without John Elway here, there's no way Peyton considers Denver. Let's be real. So he was, John Elway was here and he did get Peyton. You can't just be like, no, I don't want to talk about that because it doesn't suit my argument. It actually happened, so it has to be in, included in the argument. Do I think he has his fair share of blame on what's going on? Yeah, but like I said on episode 13, and I'll say it again on 14, all he is is the general manager. All he can do is bring guys in and say, here's an opportunity. What are you going to do with it? He can't, he can't maximize the opportunity for the player. Only the player can do that. He can't maximize the opportunity for the coaches. Only the coach can do that. So, you know, John is is hands-on, but at some point he's got to just sit back and go, okay, this is what we got. Let's see what we can do. It's not like they have a lack of talent. So, coach has got to coach better. Players have to play better. And if they don't beat Houston, what are you waiting for? What the fuck are you waiting for? So, Denver Broncos play the Texans on Sunday at home. Uh, I think it'll be a very competitive football game. We will preview that later in the week for sure. And remember that the uh, 6-0 top six will be out tomorrow when the film gets posted on bsndenver.com. And you can go behind the paywall and check out six plays from the Kansas City-Denver game that I thought the Broncos did really well at and some that they didn't do so well at. So we will, uh, we will obviously elaborate on all that as it goes as well. Okay, so... <clears throat> Wear bands, and our, my friend Dan Schreiber is going to bring you our college football rap. And I'm not talking about any of the other games other than the Buffs. Uh, go to wearbands.com and check it out. You can go to Wearbands and go. The promo code is six zero twenty. It'll give you a twenty percent discount on the product. We also have them here uh, on the shelf at six zero. It's an incredible product that really maximizes forces output from the floor up. Helps lateral athletes, which is really anybody, everybody that pushes off the inside of their foot is a lateral athlete. Uh, check out the wearband system. I highly advise everybody to get on this system and buy yourself a set, and you can use them in any and every workout from sprint mechanics to position-specific work regardless of what 
sport you're playing, it's awesome. So WearBands.com, check it out. Remember, you can always get them here uh, on site at 60 Strength. 60 Strength.com is the bridge website. All right, so the buffs. Okay, look, man, <clears throat> right off the bat, when you're up 31-3 to against Oregon State, you can't fucking lose. And I, I usually I try and temper myself with the buffs because the last time I gave my real opinion on it, people got really pissed off at me. And it was the it was the Embry game where they got hammered by Fresno State in Fresno, and it was 35 nothing at the end of the first quarter. And I freaked out and couldn't handle it and said that Embry was in over his head, which he was. I don't think that Coach Mack is in over his head. I think that Coach Mack is too nice. I don't think he needs to get fired. Now, if they lose out and they don't make a bowl game, yeah, I'm pretty sure he's going to get fired. And that's not my opinion. That's just maybe a fact. I, I know Rick Jordan wants to win. But the best were 5-0 and three weeks ago. Now, I can, I can handle losing to SC and Washington because they played pretty hard, and I thought they had an opportunity to beat Washington, and I thought they had opportunities to beat SC that they squandered. But when you're up at homecoming, 31-3 to fucking three against Oregon State, who's the worst team in the country, who the last time they came to Colorado two years ago at the opener got absolutely shit-stuffed by CSU in Fort Collins, and now they come to Boulder after we beat them in Corvallis last year, barely. I was, was upset about that game, too, last year. But we won. And this year, up 31-3 to at home, and because we're so fucking nice, because we won't pile it on people. That's why. That's my problem with this. Not The comeback is what it is. Jalen Moore and Oregon State, hats off, bros. Jalen should be in Boulder. There's no way that they should let a Denver kid go to Corvallis, but it is what it is. He played his ass off, the safety for Oregon State, number 33. He had a great game. Great kid. Really hard worker. Um, I'm not saying that the Buffs didn't play hard and that they didn't want to win. I know they did, but I'm telling you this. You go up 31-3 to and you get up 24 fucking points in the fourth quarter, that's because you're refusing to pile it on. You're refusing to pull an Alabama. You're refusing to pull a, a Texas Tech, you know, an old school Nebraska, to just go out there and put as many fucking points on somebody as possible. And because you're so nice, because of the lack of of step on their throats and kill these motherfuckers because of the lack of that, that's why you lost. And I'm sure that people are going to get mad at me for saying this, but look, I love CU more than anything. I bleed black and gold. It's the only thing in my life other than my family that I truly love. So it, it would be wrong of me to sit here and not express myself. And I had to take an extra day. I was going to do the show yesterday, but I was too angry. Too angry. And if you think I'm pissed off, imagine how those kids up there feel. Imagine how they feel. They're walking. They got to play at Arizona, okay, on Saturday night. Arizona just beat the living shit out of Oregon, 44 to 15. They're on a roll right now. Someone's got them believing. The Buffs are not on a roll. They've lost three in a row after winning five in a row and being ranked. They squandered an opportunity to get bowl eligible and to have a ton of momentum going into the, the rest of the Pac-12 South and to have that Utah game be for the South. Now they have to win every game out just to have a chance to win the South. So, you know, Arizona State beating USC set the table for us, and we fucked it up. Can they, re can they rebound from this? I don't think Mack needs to lose his job. No one needs to get fired. They need to rebound off of this. They need to figure out a way to reach down and understand that the pride and tradition of the Colorado Buffaloes will not or ever be entrusted to the timid of the week. And on Saturday in the second half of that ball game, the Buffs were timid. 
timid up 24. Timid. They should have came out and tried to put another 31 points on them. Beat them 62 to 3. Not come out and be like, okay, let's just try and run the clock and get out of here with the victory and stay healthy. No, your team isn't good enough to do that, and they haven't had enough. They haven't had enough victory and enough success behind them to earn the right to do that. They don't know how to finish. I've seen them. I saw them finishing Lincoln against a team that was that they were, you know, fighting neck and neck with the whole game. But when you're up 24 points on the worst team in the Pac-12 and maybe the country, you've got to finish that. You have to put the nail in the coffin and step on the throat. And then, look, the politically correct nature of sports these days, it, it's impossible for Mac to say that. It's impossible for him to come in and, and bang the table and be like, you know what, we didn't step on their fucking throat, and that's why we lost, and that's on me. He can't say that because everybody in Boulder will lose their minds. Oh, my God, he said step on their throat. He's promoting violence. No, he's just talking football. That's the way it is. I'm disgusted by the loss on Saturday, but but I will never, ever, ever turn my back on the Buffs, ever. I think they can get better off of this. I think they can win out. The team that I saw the first five weeks of the season, the, same, the team that I saw go toe-to-toe with the Arizona State, well, I think is pretty fucking good. That team, the team that I saw in Lincoln, that team can beat people. That team, the team that went to Washington, never would have let this happen on Saturday. I don't know where the disconnect is. I don't know what happened at halftime. Up 31-3, to three, everybody just went in and they were like, oh, well, where are we partying tonight? Nowhere, because you lost in overtime to Oregon State. So, it's fixable. Try and fix it. It doesn't, there's nobody on the outside of, of uh, the facility that can fix it. I can't fix it. None of the media people can. None of the fans. Buffs need your support. Support them. Support them. Coach Mack, step on someone's throat. Be mean. The next time you have an opportunity to bury someone, fucking bury them, brother. Bury them. Bury them. To hell with their feelings. To hell with being a bad sport. I watched teams bury us for 10 years. I watched in 2005 when I was a rookie with the Jets, okay? I watched a 7-2 and two buff team finish the season with two losses at Ames and, 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 and Nebraska at home. Nebraska beat us 30-3. They were throwing batteries at the players. They kicked the whole student section out. And then 70-3 Texas. That's burying someone. That's getting up on a team and saying, we're the best team in the country. We're going to show you. That's what I'm talking about. For, for the, the, the Embry and Hawkins era, when people used to go out and try and run it up on us through the roof because of the years that CU would beat the shit out of people, well, come on. It's our turn now to bury somebody. Fuck everyone's feelings. Figure out a way to win the football game and go bury their ass and make them feel bad about themselves. That's the only way they're ever going to get better. If you're really worried about them, it's also going to show your team that you're really sold out, that you're, you're totally bought in and sold out. And everything is about getting us better. It shouldn't be, how do we get everybody in this week and we get everybody playing time, we're up 24. Uh-uh, uh-uh. It should be starters, let's go out there and just beat the shit out of these people and put up another 30 points. Now, look, I love the Buffs, and I think Coach Shiv and Coach Mack and everybody, DJ Elliott, I think they've done a great job this year, and I think they will make a bowl game, and I think they'll win at Arizona. I really do. They, figure, they better figure out a way to block Arizona's defensive line, though. I'll tell you that shit. 
because Aaron Solomon's got some dudes up front, all right? Some dudes. Right off the bat, P.J. Johnson, number 52. Watch out for P.J. Johnson, all right? This dude is an absolute stud. He was killing people in that Oregon game the other night, so watch out for him. We're going to preview that game on Thursday or Friday here on episode 15 of McChesney Unchained on the BSN Denver Podcast Network. So the question goes full circle here is what do you do with the buffs? It's a good question. I can't answer it until I see the rest of the season because the the beginning of the year was so incredible being 5-0 and and having all that you know momentum and then – Losing to SC was very disappointing, but okay. Losing at Washington, okay. This one hurts. This is a, this feels like when I was playing and we lost a game we shouldn't have lost. When I was a junior, we went to Waco and got beat by Baylor, and it still makes me sick to the day. That's what this feels like. It's got to be fixed, man. And I don't know if it's just like, hey, let's just fucking you know rub a rock and say a prayer. That's not going to work. Work is all that's going to work. And Arizona's sitting on, on you know, cloud nine right now. They got a huge win. They're fighting for bowl eligibility. Mack, their quarterback, or Tate, their quarterback, had a great game on, on Saturday night against Oregon. So this is a big test for CU. Arizona beat the shit out of us last year in Folsom. They ran the ball for almost 400 yards on, on CU. And now that Tate's healthy, that's what they're going to do again. Kevin Sublin's a pretty good offensive mind. So we'll figure all that out as we go. Um, this is not fire everybody, though. It's not. It, and, and, and with the Broncos, it may be. The Broncos may be at the, hey, we need to fire people and send a message and set the tone. The Buffs, I don't think it's time to fire anybody yet. But if you lose that Arizona and you're sitting there with Washington State, Utah, and Cal to play, I don't know, man. You, you lose to Arizona and you're 5-4 and four and you've lost four in a row, I don't know what you do. That's a hard, hard, hard job for Rick George. It's a hard job. Because if you lose four in a row, I got to think they're going to lose five in a row. And if they go from five and zero oh to five and five, we got fucking problems. I'm telling you, it's Buff Nation is going to revolt. If you like the sellouts, you better do something to keep them, because people are already pissed off and already talking about not going to the games. And the last thing you want to do is is you know put it up in the air for Buffalo fans who are already a little bandwagon. Not all of them. Relax. You don't need to get all pissed off. But if you're, all, if you're one of these guys who's like, I'm not going to the game to support, you're fucking bandwagon. We don't need you. We need people that are going to show up and support regardless of what happens. Because when the team gets good again, I think they're good right now, but I still think they're a year away. I think they're one year. I think next year's football team is going to be really, really, really good at Boulder and ranked in the top 25 coming back. So they've got to figure out a way to stop the bleeding. And I thought they had the, the tourniquet sutured up at halftime. You know, I, I'll be completely transparent. I had to go back and watch the fourth quarter. I fell asleep. I fell asleep at the end of the third quarter. I woke up to 41-34 loss. I thought I was having a bad fucking nightmare. So it is what it is, man. Thank you to No XPF and Wearbands for sponsoring McJesney Unchained and, and being part of the show. We really appreciate it. Make sure you go on NeuroXPF.com and Wearbands.com. Check out the products. Uh, I'm Matt McChesney. This is McChesney Unchained, episode 14. Uh, only about 40 minutes today, but we didn't have any guests, and I got straight to the point. Uh, remember, check out 60strength.com and The Bridge, and remember to download on iTunes and uh, subscribe to the podcast, and it'll come up every time we have a new show. So I'm Matt McChesney. Thank you very much for listening to episode 14 of McChesney Unchained, and we're out. See you on Thursday or Friday. Later.